that this life that we live in is very short. I mean, when was the last time you thought about how short your life is? Uh, when was the last time you thought about the end, the very end of your life? Have you spent enough time thinking about that? Most people don't. As it says in Ecclesiastes 7, it says uh, it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party. It's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party because we're all going to die and the living should take that to heart. So yesterday I had a, I had a choice whether I was going to go to a birthday party or a funeral. And I chose the funeral, right? <laughs> Mary's mother passed away this week at uh, 88 years old. Uh, it was a beautiful uh, funeral. The Lord was honored. Uh, her mother was honored. Uh, Miriam did a great job with the music. Uh, her cousin did a great job uh, just proclaiming the gospel and the hope that we have in the gospel. And I've been to a lot of funerals. And I've got to preach at funerals and proclaim the hope of the gospel at funerals. And though funerals are a time of mourning and a very sobering time, I like them. Because I'm reminded that one day it's going to be me in that box. And as I'm reminded of that reality, I think about how I want to love my family. I think about how I want to love you, church. I think about how I want to love strangers around me and make the most of the time that I have here. There are many people living as if they have eternity here in this life, as if they're just going to live forever right here in this life. The time that we have is precious. And so we have to steward it well. We have to fight for God's will to be done in our time. we got to fight for what matters most because there are all kinds of of time robbers that will eat up our time and distract us and take us away from doing what matters most in this life. And so as we open up Psalm 90, Psalm 90 uh, has this theme of, uh, there's a hinge verse in there, verse 12, and, it, and Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And in this Psalm, because it's attributed to Moses, Moses wrote it, uh, most likely, uh, it's the oldest psalm in the, the Psalter, in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's one of the oldest psalms. Uh, it's attributed to Moses, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. I love that inscription at the very beginning. By the way, men of God are men of prayer. Okay? Men of God are men of prayer. And this is a prayer. This, this give, it's a, it's a song, it's a prayer, but he starts off focusing on the eternality of God and then the brevity of man, and then he has this cluster of prayer request and response to that. And so we're gonna look at that this morning, and I'm gonna be mindful of our time this morning as we're talking about time, because time is precious. Uh, if you would stand with me actually as we read from Psalm 90, verse 1 through uh, 17. If you don't have a Bible, I have it up there on the screen. And actually, uh, let's read it together. If you can see it up there, if you got an ESB in front of you, uh, let's read it together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth in the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, and they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sin in the light of your presence. For all our days pass under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to the children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so here's where we're going this morning as we open up this text and and look at this. The big idea is simply this, is that our time in this life is short and we must keep this in perspective to live wisely and pray for God to fill our days with His mercy and His grace. In verse 1 and 2, I want to point out what Moses is referring to, calling God here. Uh, He says, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Uh, Another uh, translation says our our refuge. You've been our refuge, our dwelling place, our uh, place of protection uh, for all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth or the world from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. So he's starting with this Big glimpse of who God is in His prayer. You're a dwelling place. Not just in one generation, but in all generations. You've been this dwelling place for for your people. The people of Israel. And for us today, you've been a refuge for us. You've been with us. You've walked with us through the flood. Through the fire. Through the pain and the sorrows and the brokenness of this world. You've been that home for us, that refuge for us. God was a dwelling place, a refuge, a fortress for the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. And when God was unleashing plagues of judgment on the Egyptians, the people of Israel were in, kept in the land of Goshen, protected by God. As ten plagues of judgment were coming down upon the Egyptians. God was a refuge and a deliverer at the Red Sea for the Israelites. God was a refuge 
and a dwelling place for the people of Israel and the wilderness. And He was with them through it. And, and many times they rebelled against God. They, they went their own way. They rebelled against His counsel. They, 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 they committed sexual immorality. They committed idolatry. And God would punish that sin. But then when they would turn back to Him, He would have mercy on them. He's a dwelling place. He's a refuge. And He's everlasting. God is not confined and limited by time. He's not confined and limited by time. God can call the shots before they even take place. He's the everlasting God. I was thinking about that, singing that song this week. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. You do not faint. You won't grow weary. Isaiah 40 talks about that. The everlasting God, the one who's not limited by time and constrained by time. And then it contrasts, just like this psalm does, it contrasts the eternality of God, the the affinity of God, God not being constrained by time. He's transcendent, okay? He's not limited by time. And then it contrasts it with the frailty and the brevity of man's life. Man is like, like the grass. All flesh is like grass. Uh, the glory of it like flowers. The, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But what? The word of God endures forever. God's word endures forever. God's kingdom is everlasting. He is the eternal, everlasting God. And He is our refuge. He is our place of protection. And He will be. He was for Israel and He is for the church. And we also see in this psalm, and I'm not going to skip over these verses, while many today uh, would not emphasize this aspect of of God, uh, we see God's just indignation against sin. You you know, uh, and by the way, this is a this is a a go to uh, psalm for graveside uh, funerals to be read at graveside funerals. It's it's great, but but it's not. This isn't necessarily for the dead. This is for the living. This is for us to read and to pray and to take heart. We're to consider the reality that one day this brief life here is going to pass us by and be gone. But then it's, it's, it's also to help us consider what are we to do with the time that we do have left and we're to count it as precious. But he says this, he says, you return man to dust uh, and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are as but yesterday when it is past. In Genesis 3, we have God speaking to Adam uh, after they had sinned. God told him that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what? What did he tell him? He'll die. God pronounced his judgment on sin. And the judgment on sin is always what? Death. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. You see, we... We grieve over this reality because we are designed to live forever with God. And this reality of death breaks our heart. We, we're grieved by it and we, we know inside it's not supposed to be like this. I'm not supposed to get sick and die. My loved ones are not supposed to get sick and die. We are made to live forever with God. 
But man rebelled against God and we've all participated in this rebellion. And God says, uh, and, and the, the, uh, Psalm 90 alludes to the, these words here. Uh, by the way, same author, Moses, Moses. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. You return man to the dust. And praise God that we are not left with this bleak view of life and eternity. It's a reality check, indeed. And, and, and we need not to stick our head in the sand and ignore the reality that this is life. The older you get, the, the more you're confronted with the frailty and brevity of life. Young people seem to think that they're invincible. They just think that this, I'm going to, you know, I got lots of years to go. But the older you get, the more you realize, like, time is just going by really fast. Like, where did that, where did that decade just go? Right? Like, it just seems to get faster and faster, you know, as we live. You know, I'm seeing my kids grow up. I'm seeing other people grow up and, and kids get married that I knew when they were in diapers. And now they're getting married and starting their own families. You know, and, and so this psalm says, you know, it, it describes man's life as 70 years, 80 years if, if you, you know, if you're strong, right? So if you're, if you're 35 or 40, you're halfway there, right? <laughs> you know, or if you're older, you know, you're, you're over, you're over the hill, right? Right? Okay, okay, I'm gonna stop, stop right there. So this is a reality check for us. God has a just, wrath and, and punishment on sin and it's death the wages of sin is death and Moses saw this firsthand in the wilderness the same people that were delivered out of Egypt who, who who rebelled against God after God had been so merciful and so gracious to to give them new life and, and freedom they rebelled and man they were they were getting they were dropping off like flies when they rebelled against God I mean they got there was plagues uh, you know, there was uh, snakes, you know, uh, snake bites, you know, when they were rebelling and, and, and sinning against God. You know, the ground opened up and swallowed some folks who were rebelling against God. And so this idea of the wrath of God is, is, is real and it's not just confined to the Old Testament. We can't read this and say, well, that's just the God of the Old Testament or that's just what happened in the Old Testament. Because we see the same concept in the New Testament in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 or John three thirty six. that the wrath of God abides upon those who rebel in the rebellion and sin against God. There's, there's wrath, there's judgment, there's punishment. And praise God, though, that we have this hope that the truth that Christ absorbed that wrath on the cross. Beautiful. I mean, when, when you understand this, God's just wrath and indignation towards sin, grace and mercy becomes amazing to you. It becomes amazing. Uh, when, when you realize this is what you deserve, you deserve wrath and judgment and punishment. And yet God has chosen to give mercy. He's chosen to give grace. And ultimately we see that displayed through his son, Jesus Christ. He took the judgment and the wrath we deserve. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to proclaim this here. We're not going to skip over these verses and, and, and just focus and just focus on the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. Because there are aspects like this that help us 
understand who God is and we see at the cross, we see God's punishment on sin put on Jesus. He took our place. Amen. So while God does judge sin, God did something about that judgment and wrath that we deserve. Uh, the Psalm verse 7 through 11, it goes on. It says, for you set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. And you bring our years to an end like a, like a sigh. The, the years of our life are 70 or by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. And they, and they are soon gone and we fly away. I was wanting, I was wanting us to sing that song this morning. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. While, while we grieve over the reality of death, we have this hope that this is not it for us. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks at Easter. This is not it for us. This is not this 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years in life is not it for us. It's short. It's brief. Even if you live like like Billy Graham, you make it to 99. That brother was strong. That's, that's a full life. 99 years old, preaching the gospel. I mean, I, I want to go out like that. I want to live a full life. And I want to, in between those years, I want to pack it with giving myself to the kingdom of God and, and living life. And what a legacy he left. Wow. I mean, how powerful. If anybody saw this past Friday, saw uh, any of the funeral of his children Dude. talking about the Lord the way that they were and talking about their dad and their dad's faithfulness. What, what a powerful legacy. Life is short. For all our days pass under your wrath and and we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 if by reason of strength it's 80. So life is short. We need to be reminded of this. It's simple, simple truth. Um, James tells us in James chapter 4, he says uh, that he teaches that we should not presume upon the future in light of the brevity of our life. Because life is short, don't just assume that you have tomorrow here. You know, as, as the old saying goes, tomorrow's not promised to us, right? That old saying, that's true here. We, we don't know how long our life is going to be here. He promises eternal life with him in heaven. That's a for sure promise that we can bank on, we can count on. But our life here is brief and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So when we make plans and the way we talk about tomorrow and what we're going to do tomorrow, we should have a humility about that. We should say, as James says here in, in James 4.15, when you say, when you're talking about tomorrow, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Okay? This implies that God is sovereign over us. As the, psalmist, as the psalmist says in Psalm 31, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. If the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or that. And James goes on and he says, when you, when you talk about tomorrow and you boast about it, it's evil, it's sin. You're sinning against God. He says, our life is but a vapor. 
It's, it's a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So in light of this reality, in, life, in light of the brevity of our life, Moses prays this. There's a cluster of prayers that he has, uh, starting in verse 12. He says, teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Uh, the, the net, N-E-T, says, teach us to consider our mortality so that we might live wisely. Teach us to consider our mortality so that we might live wisely. What a powerful prayer right here. This is insightful. Because if we will count our days, if we will consider our mortality, we will realize that this is short. All of a sudden, time, the time that we have here will become precious to us. We won't presume upon the future and we won't waste our time doing vain things, things that won't mean anything in eternity. I mean, how many people do you think on their deathbed are thinking, man, I wish I would have watched more uh, good movies. (laughs) Man, I didn't see that one series, that TV series. I wish I would have saved it and watched it. Uh, man, I wish I would have scrolled more through Facebook and stayed up with everybody's posts and Instagram and Twitter. Nobody on their deathbed is thinking, man, I should have followed up with the news more frequently and spent more time doing that. People on their deathbed aren't thinking, man, I I wish I got another degree. I I should have went and got another degree. Man, I wish I, I made more money. Those aren't the kind of thoughts that people on their deathbed are having. What kind of thoughts are they having? They're thinking about the people that they love the most. They're thinking about relationships. And when it all comes down to what matters most, Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. When it's all said and done, that's what matters most. Is are we loving are we loving those around us? Living your life in love is the best use of your time. Living your life in love, doing the will of God is the best use of your time. Charles Spurgeon said this about this, this text. He says, men are led by reflections upon the brevity of time to give their earnest attention to eternal things. They become humble as they look into the grave, which is so soon to be their bed. Their passions cool in the presence of mortality. And they yield themselves up to the dictates of unerring wisdom. But this is only the case when the Lord himself is the teacher. He alone can teach to real and lasting profit. It's a powerful quote. So if, if you were to die today and stand before God... And God were to show you a whole movie of your life. What would you want to see in that movie? What kind of character would you want to see yourself playing in that movie? If your life was flashed before you, what's the number one thing? For me, it would be love. That I'm loving God, I'm loving people. I think if I live a life of love here, love for others then I will have little regrets on those last moments of, of this life. Amen. Amen. And this is something I've been thinking about. I mean, we, we read the news, we hear about all the different things that are going on in the world today. 
locally and internationally. There's just a lot going on. And this is not a time to presume upon the future when it comes to, to our life. We should think about it and think about it much and, and make the most of it. So understanding the brevity of life is necessary for wise living. So if we're going to make the most of it, we need to be reminded how brief it is. We need to think about that, reflect upon that. That's why it's good to go to funerals. Ephesians 5.15 says this. It says, look carefully how you walk. Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this text here says that we are to 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 live wisely, to be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Walk in wisdom. Don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil and understand what God wants. This is powerful right here. The days that we are living in are evil. And if we live foolishly, we will have our lives taken from us probably before (coughs) sooner than we want, right? And so we need to live wise, godly lives. And if we live foolishly, if we don't live with a sense of purpose and understand what God wants for us, we're going to give our precious time to things that matter very little. Okay. And so understanding, uh, understanding and doing God's will is making the best use of our time. And it's essential that we understand what God wants in this short time that we have. If we're going to make the best use of our time. So we all have the same hours in the week. The same amount of time in the week, right? Uh, we have 168 hours. 24 times, yeah, 24 times 7 is 168. Okay? And if you, if you have a 40 hour work week, okay? And if you get the recommended 8 hours of sleep, anybody do that? You get the, <laughs> The recommended eight hours of sleep to be healthy and strong and make the most of the time that you do have while you're awake, then you have about 72 hours to do other things that matter to you most in life. So we all have the same, same amount of time. And here's the deal. If we don't plan for this and we don't prioritize where those hours are going, then they will get eaten up with all kinds of small things. You guys know the, uh, the illustration of the, the, the small rocks and the big rocks. This is a great Sunday school illustration. And so, so if you hear me say, focus on the big rocks, prioritize the big rocks, this is what I'm referring to. Uh, if, if you try to fill a jar, same size, with the same uh, amount of, uh, of rocks, but you start with the, the pebbles, the sand, the small rocks, and then you put the big rocks in after, look what happens. You can't get them all in, right? But if you start with the big rocks and then you put the small things in after, you can get more in. You can get what you need to get in. Now, I hear people say, and I've said it, I don't have enough time to do this or that. We've all said it, right? I just don't have enough time to do that. And the truth is, if if you're... If your water heater breaks or your dishwasher breaks and there's a flood in your kitchen, all of a sudden you got lots of time to focus on your house. 
Work will have to hold, family will have to hold, school will have to hold. Everything else is all of a sudden put on hold because there is water leaking in my house and this needs to get fixed. Otherwise, I'm going to have to spend more money and more time fixing a bigger problem, right? The issue isn't that we don't have enough time. The issue is is that we don't prioritize often what matters most in, in our lives. And, and so what we need to do is we need to prioritize what matters most. And I want to challenge you to do that today, to think about what are those big rocks in your life that you, in each day, in each week, in each month, you got to get in there. So for me, one of the big rocks is spending time with God. If I'm going to love God, if I'm going to love anybody, I got to give them a piece of my time. I didn't say a piece of my mind. I said a piece of my time. If I'm going to love anybody, i got to give them a piece of my time. And when we give time to people, we are giving a, a, a portion of our life to that individual. And we're saying, you're worth it. You're worth it. I value you. You're worth it. And, and so, so time with God, for me, is a big rock. And you know what? That big rock goes in the very first thing in, when I wake up. That's the first. That's the big rock. I'm going to get that in. If I don't get anything else in today, I'm going to get time with God. Right. Okay. Next big rock is going to be family. My wife, my kids. Okay. Next big rock. You guys, the church, you call me, you text me, you email me. You got a lost loved one. You're sick. You're in the hospital. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my prayers. I'm going to wrestle and feel the weight. The emotional weight, the spiritual weight of burdens that you're carrying in your life and your family and your work and the things that you're going through. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to grieve with you. I'm going to weep with those who weep. I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice. You see, this is loving one another. And this is what matters most. We, we need to invest our lives in this relationship with God, this relationship with others. And I think if we do that, we won't feel full of regret on our deathbed. Now, I know it's a struggle uh, when we give a chunk of our time to somebody. It's a struggle to be thinking about well, what about all these tasks that need to get done? Because things need to get done. Bills need to get paid. If you, if you have kids, the kids need to get fed and clothed and got to get your hair cut. You got to change the oil in your car. You got to do all these tasks. You got to set a budget. You got to plan where your money's going. As we've talked about the past few weeks, all these things that, that seem very small, but if we don't get the big rocks in first, then all the little things in this life are going to crowd that time. And so we want to make the best use of it. Each of the, the, the New Testament writers, uh, when they're talking about making the best use of our time, when they talk about uh, time, they connect the will of God to it. So we saw in, in, in Ephesians 5, un, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is right after he says, redeem the time, make the most of the time. James, he says, uh, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. John here says that the world is passing away along with its desires, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Uh, Peter says, First uh, Peter 4 he says this, he says, uh, so live as the, for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Live for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for, t- for doing what the Gentiles 
want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. James or John says, don't love the world. All that stuff is passing away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes is passing away. It's a sorry place. It's a, it's a worthless place to invest your time in the things of this world. But do the will of God. Focus on the big rocks. Prioritize the big rocks. Let me, let me just say this. You don't have enough time to do everything that everyone else wants you to do. You may not have enough time to do everything that you want to do. But you have enough time to do the will of God. You have enough time to do the will of God. While you're at work, you can do the will of God. While you're changing diapers, you're caring for those precious children that God's entrusted you with. You have enough time in those moments to do the will of God, caring for those children, loving those children. Uh, when there's a need around you, when somebody's hurting around you, you we, we could be like the Good Samaritan. We could either be like the religious guy, uh, the, the, the scribe and the priest. When he saw somebody in need, they were busy, they had an agenda. I got to go serve God. And they pass up somebody who's hurting and in need. And it's the Samaritan guy who stops gives a chunk of his time and his money and he gets him a place to stay so he can get taken care of. And Jesus says, who showed this guy love? Who loved his, who loved his neighbor? The guy who was flexible with the time that he had. He, he was on his way. He was going somewhere, but he took time out to help somebody who was in need. And that's the best way that we can use our time is loving people, loving one another. So we should pray, Lord, teach us the number of our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We should pray, Psalm 90, verse 14. Return, O Lord, how long have mercy, have compassion, have pity on your servants. And satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. I believe the, the Hebrew word is hesed. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And so how should we pray concerning this time that we have? Moses has some beautiful petitions here in light of God's eternality and our uh, brevity. He prays that God would teach us the number of days that we may live wisely. He prays for mercy. God, fill our days with mercy and with joy. He also prays in verse 16. He says, let your work let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. So he prays, God, let us see your work. Let us see your glorious power yes. while we're here. David said this in Psalm 27, uh, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In the land of the living. We want to see God's mercy. We want to see His goodness. We want to see His power displayed in these days, these short days, the short time that we have while we have breath in our lungs. And lastly, verse 17, uh, there's a prayer for favor and success and work. I love this. This is a beautiful prayer. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Because our life is brief 
And because these days are passing by quickly, we need the favor of God on our lives, the mercy of God on our lives. We need His help to make the most of the time we have to, to, to what we do to become meaningful. We need God. We need to invite God into our lives. Invite God into our work, lest our work become meaningless, vain activity that we do. And this is a prayer, a prayer I pray for you guys and, and, and for our church, just that, that God would establish the work of our hands. Uh, I, th- I think there's, there's another translation that says, make successful the work of our hands um, or uh, the favor part of it. Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. And so in application here, reflect on the brevity of life. It's, it's short, it's brief. God's eternal. His kingdom is eternal. And then resolve to know and to do the will of God with the time that you do have. Commit to doing God's will, to living for His will. Not your will, not other people's will, not what others want. What does God want? You see, we shouldn't, with big life decisions and and direction, we shouldn't ask, what do you want? That shouldn't be the first priority it's the first question should be, God, what do you want? Right. When you're looking at marrying somebody. When you're looking at taking a job. You're looking at moving uh, locations. And you're lo- what those big things in life. And really, we should do this with 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 everything, but especially the big rocks. God, what do you want? Because we may think we want something, and it's, and it's not best for us. God knows what's best for us. And so resolve to know and to do the will of God. Remove the time robbers and the distractions from your life. Set boundaries that keep the TV from taking hours of your week. One of the things I've done recently is I have uh, limited notifications I get on this phone. Because it, 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 it annoys me. <laughs> It annoys me that I get so many notifications for all, I mean, like almost every app has these notifications and you can manage those so they don't take a little chunk, couple seconds here, couple minutes here, so they don't take a chunk of your time. See, again, we live in a day where there are more opportunities to be distracted and to waste our life than, than ever. There are more opportunities to just waste our life doing things that don't matter at all than ever. And, and, and we gotta guard ourselves. Lastly, request these petitions in prayer. Pray, pray these petitions in prayer. And what I'd like to do in this, uh, in response time is I'd like to gather in groups of three and four and, and pray these verses over one another. Pray that God would teach us to number our days. Pray that God would fill our days with His mercy and His favor and His grace. That God would show His power and His work in our lives. That God would establish the work of our hands. So uh, just as, as Kevin comes up, we're going we're gonna to move into a time of prayer. We're going to transition. So just gather with those around you. It can be three or four. It can be, uh, if you need to do more, that's fine. But let's gather. Let's pray for one another. Pray these verses over each other.